welcoming everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions with a bit of snark built in. If we are a member of the 1012 Podcast Network, and you can find more great Big 12 content covering all 14 teams of the Big 12 within the 1012 Podcast Network. If you like what we do, please give us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps get the show out there. Share this with your friends. Wherever you found it, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media at LonghornPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Uh, today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Charlie Hustle Clothing Company. They are a vintage-inspired clothing company based out of Kansas City, specializing in collegiate and hometown apparel. They want you to be the best-dressed fan this season. So check out their wide selection of officially licensed collegiate apparel today. They've got some awesome Texas gear. Uh, I'm actually going to be grabbing a new Charlie Hustle shirt using the code TEN1215 to get a 15% off uh, of a non-sale item uh, like you can as well. Kyle and I are actually going to be going to the Wyoming game here in a couple weeks. Uh, and I need some fresh Texas gear because I want to look good. I want to be the best dressed fan. And Charlie Hustle wants to help you do that. They've got 30 schools to choose from. So if you've got friends or family that maybe cheer for one of the teams that didn't 1012 code as well, head over to charliehustle.com to get some of this vintage made fresh gear. My name is Gerald Goodrich. I'm a host this week like I am every week. And I'm joined by the man who's officially the other host of the Longhorn Republic podcast, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? It's exciting. Um, titles, you know, are not important. I once heard someone say, uh, I've offered people jobs with a greater title and half the salary, and they are excited to take it. Titles mean nothing to me, Gerald, whether you're uh, your jabs uh, to call me a co-host, um, you know, as our brotherly love would, would indicate. Uh, they keep me on my toes. It keeps me wanting more. It keeps me hungry, you know, but if, if you think I'm, uh, I'm, just the co- I'm just the host, as you are just the host, then, you know, I appreciate that. That's why... You're the chief and I'm the co-chief. No, uh, that's a scrub reference for all those who are following <laughs> with us. Uh, yeah, I'm just making jabs because I was on the ten uh, twelve flagship show this week, uh, filling in for the incomparable Jamie Steyer Johnson, who was unavailable this week. They uh, called me in off the bench. And I guess since we're official members of the, the network, they can do that now, which is nice. So, right. uh, Kyle, I'm sure the invite's coming your way soon. We're not here to talk, though, about the Big 12 overall podcast. We're zooming in on one team, the Texas Longhorn. They took care of business uh, against the Rice Owls, 37-10. We'll break that, that down as well. We've got down the 40 this week like we always do. Rough week for volleyball, but soccer made up for it a bit. Cross country, uh, we've talked about them winning us some uh, some Director's Cup points and a uh, strong start to them as well. We'll obviously close the show out with some bang the drum, but we'll start with the gridiron. Texas opens the season against the rice owls, 37 to 10. It was 37 to three when they pulled the defensive starters, basically at the start of the fourth quarter, Quinn, you solid day, 19 of 30, 260 yards, three touchdown passes and a touchdown run struggled a little bit on the deep balls, but made took advantage of those intermediate uh, range passes, those five to 15 yard routes. The running backs was a three headed monster started off as a two headed monster with uh, CJ Baxter and Jonathan Brooks splitting carries. CJ Baxter got the start, but there was an or next to their name. Uh, Baxter had probably, 
probably the best run of the day with the 32-yarder that he kind of uh, broke outside and then ultimately got hurt. Rib injury uh, was held out, probably precautionary. He'll be back. Uh, he's already back at practice as of Monday. Uh, Jonathan Brooks, 52 yards on 12 carries, plus a 41-yard reception uh, touchdown. He also dropped one, which is you know, it sucks, but that happens, right? Bijan dropped a couple in his career as well. Jaden Blue came in when Baxter went out uh, and actually looked really good, reminding folks that he used to be the number one running back in the country at one point, uh, 10 carries for 55 yards at an easy five and a half yards per carry. Wide receivers, usual suspects, uh, Xavier Worthy, seven for 90, jo uh, Jordan Whittington, four for 43, only played 38 plays, heavy rotation on the wide receivers, A.D. Mitchell, uh, three receptions, 26 yards, a touchdown, did drop, uh, kind of a highlight, E-real one, same thing for J.T. Sanders, two for 44 and a touchdown, had one that he had an opportunity. Also, I uh, had a misconnection with Quinn Ewers on that opening drive that led to a turnover on downs. Defense was the defense. They crushed it. They were really impressive. The rush defense turned in the best performance since that negative five yards against USC way back when. So, Kyle, from a 30,000-foot view, if you think about this game, what is your impression? How are you sitting? How are you feeling like three days removed? I think we'll, we'll go down a little bit in some specifics and in, in the good, the bad, and the ugly kind of kind of viewpoint here. But just starting at the top, right? Um I think I heard a coach say winning is hard, which is great. I love it. Tom Herman uh, legacy uh, goes beyond the P chart in college football. But um, winning is hard. And we saw some Big 12 opponents um, not uh, do that, not not cover, you know, four touchdown spreads. Um, Texas almost covered a 35-point spread, uh, but for a, a late um, touchdown and, and, you know, a, an early field goal off a, a, a I don't know. They're going forward early, flexing a little bit early. Uh, change of field, field goal that, that Rice were, were the only two real places they, they scored. Um, here's my thing. Texas looked looked good. They looked like a good team, right? If, if Texas came in as, you know, the number 24 ranked team in the country, we'd say, okay, they look good. Uh, but Texas has top 10 expectations, both from themselves and imposed on them. And so they're playing against kind of expectation this week. And so a lot of the narrative you, you've heard already and you will hear throughout this week heading into Alabama um, was that Texas didn't really put the foot on the neck, didn't really um, take a chance to go dominate an opponent that they were clearly better than. They, they certainly looked the better team. They certainly dominated on one side of the ball. I do think, as Gerald said, the defense um, was dominant throughout. I, I think, you know, that's the type of performance you want to see from a Texas defense. They have the talent. Um, if they can do that, you know, this entire year to be a top 10 defense easily. I mean, that, that, that is what it looked like out there. And, and it was, it was really, you know, it was really good stuff, but um, the sky is not falling, right? It, it is, uh, some things to be worked on in the offense and the deep ball and some of the, the blocking stuff that will break down just a little bit. But it's important to remember, Gerald, and your your day job and mine, a uh, a one data point uh, data set is is useless. You throw it out. You, you can't make any sweeping judgments off it, right? If a business is making decisions on that kind of data, uh, a don't invest in them, and b you know, don't don't work for them or with them. Um, that's bad bad practice. Um, and so we shouldn't do that here. You only get twelve data points in the regular season, so you know it is a larger percentage, but still, um, no sweeping. You know, generalization. Some teams that look bad will get better. Some teams that look great will find that, you know, their opponents weren't particularly good. Um, OU. Uh, but um, I, I think we'll, we have a very quick uh, figure it out against Alabama coming up, and we'll talk about that. But yeah, I think 10,000 foot view for me, quick summary, just, you know, 
chance to be really excellent. Have to clean up some really basic things. Um, but, you know, a good win to start the season. Texas has started the season a little rockier than this and had fantastic seasons in their history. So I'm not overreacting to this at all um, in on the negative things. And, you know, wait and see on the things that were really, really positive. I'm, I'm hoping that those are the trends that, uh, that will play out for this year. I mean, yeah, I think this is – you and I have talked about it before – um, like you obviously want to cover the spread against Rice Red. I think the the spread was probably 20, 35 points or something. Uh, so not quite, but like this is a situation where you don't really have to sweat the game. Nobody got injured because CJ Baxter's already back, and there's plenty on tape to coach, right? So like there's an opportunity here for Texas to have that big week one to week two jump, and they're gonna have to have it if they're going to come out of Tuscaloosa uh, with a win or at least not getting embarrassed. But let's start with the good. You mentioned the good. Uh, from my perspective, Kyle, I think the best things, um, specifically like the defense, right? Like this is a championship level defense that Texas brings to the table, and I don't say that lightly because you and I were on campus for two championship level defense. Is three really if you count 2008 as well because cough cough 08 was better than 09 there I said it but there is a level of I think uh, excellence that PK has drawn out from this group and I'm really curious to see all the people who said this was Gary Patterson's defense a year ago what they're saying now because they look just as good they picked up right where they left off you know and specifically against the run like they were smothering right this is the best I mentioned it before this is the best rushing defense performance since Texas had a, a non-sack adjusted negative five against USC uh, about five years ago right if this is this is the stat that I love. If you add back in the sack yards from this, this is the second best performance compared to the non-sack adjusted yardage since that game. So like that is how good they were against the run this year this week. And I think it starts with those guys in the middle, T Sweat, Byron Murphy, Alfred Collins, like that group, Ethan Burke along the edge. We'll talk about him. A high motor guy, right? We'll talk, we'll we'll whistle the dog <laughs> whistle right now. But like those guys in the middle did what they needed to do and ended the game giving up just 1.1 yards per carry in that matchup i think lazy uh race-based analysis uh code words is my favorite uh college football subgenre right um ethan burke a, a coach on the field a lunch pail guy a high hard motor, hat right? kind of guy I'm obviously yeah i'm obviously kidding i think that's the single worst thing please be better uh announcers but in this case ethan burke he was a high motor guy. It, it worked out. Um, you know, the, the most obvious one getting cut down on that pass rush, quickly regaining his feet. Jet Bush funnels the quarterback uh, and then Burke finishes off for the sack. Right. A lot of players don't. You know, that's 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 literally drills. That's like the you know, they're throwing uh, they're throwing dummies at your feet. You have to, you know, uh, roll over them, pop back up and make the play. Uh, and he did it. That's that's fantastic. He looked great, as um, many of our defensive line did. Right. This is a unit that. We had a lot of questions about and they got better in the offseason. We thought they did, but we saw it in this like that. Just they probably played 12 players when we get to the Bama preview. I do not think necessarily they're going to play 12 to 15 guys against Bama. It's a little bit shorter, but there is going to be some rotation, right? Um, I, I, I do think you will see a lot of these guys. You'll see some different fronts, but just starting at the top, um, T-Sweat was a difference maker. He was uh, five tackles, two quarterback hits and a big fourth down stop. Again, that's your defensive tackle making those numbers. That's the guy um, who's just supposed to be a block eater in PK's uh, defense, but he was a difference maker. He was you know moving just at lightning speed 
putting pressures on a you know 11th year quarterback um that kid but jt daniels an experienced guy he made his life just miserable byron murphy i think it influenced the game a ton with his strength what he can do that bend a sack where he goes untouched it's because murphy just absolutely carves um the uh the interior o-line and makes that push where benda can can delay and then shoot through um I think this is Vernon Broughton's best game as Longhorn. I think without a doubt, it's probably probably Alfred Collins' best as well. Though he had you know a pretty uh, incredible highlight play early uh, to close out his first season with that interception in the bowl game. But um, I mean, that's really to me very exciting. Chris Ross, a guy who we talked about, the young guys who might get a chance to play. Chris Ross probably flashed the most out of you know a couple good players in the, in that uh, mix and in, in, with with Bledsoe and and Fink and and Ross, you know beefed back up he slimmed down last year beefed back up a bit and it seemed to be working for him he looked good again we won't hear all of those guys in alabama but we'll hear a lot of them and that's going to be really we'll talk about that preview the the area we want to play but yeah that, that run defense gerald you you hit all the numbers and it's incredible um but i i mean this was a three-level symphony i mean they were good on the line but we could not talk about this defense without talking about the secondary and the linebackers where do you want to start right pro football focus highest graded player in his position this week with Jalen Ford uh David Benda looked good except for that one play which then Jalen Ford decided oh yeah let me get this ball back real quick uh to make up for it that was the best makeup teammate play right we talked about it you know Jalen Ford sets the floor and makes up for for any deficiencies on the other players uh but we also talked about the secondary right Manny Muhammad looked like a lockdown corner Austin Jordan turned in his first career interception we didn't talk about the safeties which is a new sensation for me kyle <laughs> not having to complain about the safeties mid-game is something new the only really thing i noticed was Jalen catalan was back there kind of running point on the defense so like jade baron did a great job at his kind of mixed linebacker db hybrid spot like the defense was a well-oiled machine pk has these guys humming um, and that's a good thing heading to tuscaloosa yeah absolutely um Again, a unit that you'll probably see some some different guys playing. They they didn't they didn't really want anything to do with Watts, and they stayed away from him, which is fair. Um, they did kind of very early on. They completed the first play of the game was a seven yard out to get McCaffrey in space. Um, the next six attempts. Um, or in next next five attempts, I guess he did not have a catch while Jade Barron was on him. He basically Barron said, "Oh, that's your offense. That's what you want to do." Nope, that's gone now too. Um, and he really did. He locked him down and, and took him out of the game. Um, you saw them decide that they were going to go against uh, Brooks or or Muhammad, and Muhammad, you know. You forget that he was the freshman out of the bunch. Looked fantastic. Um, had five tackles. Stonewalled a, a big tight end on a, on a third down stop. His first tackle of his career. Um, uh, you know, a, a guy who I think, um, you know, I think Pro Football Focus had him graded out at 81 on coverage and 27 snaps. Uh, Holmes played a lot on 30 snaps in the second half. Um, had a just about 70 uh, tackling mark out there. So, I mean, those two guys who are not sure, Austin Jordan got his first career interception um, playing kind of that that nickel role uh, as well. Only 11 snaps, but get a 19. One of them, Derek Williams flashed the the talent that we know he has coming in there at safety. It's a game where you didn't have to um, throw Catalan in stuff, but I bet you see, you know, some different blitzes and some different plays and some different coverages and, and disguising coverages. We'll talk about in our preview, but that's going to be the key to to really uh, messing with Milrow a bit um, as he, he takes over at QB there. But I, I think this unit played really, really well um, in, in the 
part that we talked about in our season preview with this was there's so many names, you know, if everyone stays healthy, it's an embarrassment of riches. If we have any injuries, we're still ready um, to absorb that and continue to play at a level. And you saw it because there was not a huge step down from one to two. Now in the threes in the end, they gave up some stats in that fourth quarter, but that's to be expected. Um, but while the, the ones were out there, I mean, just really, really great stuff. And and even on Benda's play where he missed um, kind of, a, it was a nice play design, but missed a crosser as he followed out to the running back and a crosser came back around him. He showed the wherewithal to turn his jets on and run the dude down from behind, which if your linebackers can do that, that is it's great. Right? That's it's a very um, good thing. The want to the want to can't be fixed, right? Some of the scheme stuff can be fixed, and where his eyes go and, and some of the reads, right? Um, but that the the desire, the effort, I will take that you know eleven times out of ten. And the biggest thing to me, zero penalties on defense. So when we start with the defense in the good, I think that's we hit just about everything. Um, and you know, it's it's. I have no complaints for not the first time, um, but certainly uh, they're batting a hundred right now or a thousand right now. And, and, you know, good luck. Keep that up. If you, if we're <laughs> safe, having the same conversation against Alabama, I'm feeling real good. Yeah. If that defense shows up against Alabama, because Alabama struggled to run the ball as well. And you and I have always talked about when a team goes one dimensional, that uh, advantage sways to the other team. So uh, exciting times for Texas, but we do have to talk about the offense. Cause I think the offense and specifically um, the deep balls and the lack thereof for Texas is probably the bad and, or the ugly, depending on how you want to think about it. But um, right. Texas, wasn't able to connect on those deep balls as well. Uh, Sark commented on a, a couple of things at his Monday press conference. Right? One, he said that there were, you know, it's kind of a mix of things, some bad uh, blocking, some bad mechanic from the quarterback and some bad route running. But uh, the problem with being a quarterback is that you always take the blame when those balls hit the ground. So um, there was some struggles. Quinn Ewer's feet still not great, um, but 0 for 7 on routes longer than 15 yeah. yards for Quinn Ewers. Uh, compare that to the uh, 90% completion rate on those mid-range routes that went for 179 and I think uh, at least one or two touchdowns in there so like that to me it's Quinn Ewers has not cleaned up his mechanics to do that but it seems like those mid-tier things and allowing this is a shocker letting guys like Jonathan Brooks or Jatavian Sanders be the best athletes on the field yeah. turned out really well for Texas in the passing game. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you're absolutely right. Let Texas be a let the deep ball be be well schemed yards after catch. Both the the you know screen and the the tight end kind of seam uh, route where Jatavian Sanders just racked up the yak. Um, love tight end yak. Uh, th- those were athletes just making athlete plays, but also a nice little scheme, right? You saw, and, and Sark said this that. Rice came in and did something incredibly, totally different with their scheme, with their blitzing packages, with their fronts than what Texas expected. It's week one that can happen, right? The first half was a little bit of a struggle with that. Obviously, the first drive, you saw that um, with, a, with a four and out. Um, but they adjusted, and the adjustment was those mid-range throws. And that's the good, right? The bad is that you have to have a deep ball. You're not going to give that up. Sark joked in the Monday Rewind that, you know, there's never been a, a pass completed uh, out of bounds, you know, at least completed that counted in the in the record books. Um, you know, and so some of those deep balls were Quinn, you know, maybe a receiver ran a bad route, but if Quinn throws it to where it's out of bounds or, you know, they can't make the play, uh, always err on giving your receiver a chance to make the play, right? So you just got to clean some of that up. Um, footwork, obviously, things, some unnecessary hopping, some back foot throws, which that stuff's great. When you talked about, Gerald, those stats in the intermediate game, that's where Quinn is so good, right? If, if there's a blitz, if it's a, if it's a three-step drop and he's off his back foot and he can just whip it, 
you know, 12 yards with that that zip on it and, and off platform. That's where he's great. But you have to let all of those things that make you a cowboy, that make you great uh, in the mid, in the intermediate, like that's not the deep ball game. You have to be polished. You have to be rehearsed. It has to be consistent. You have to have your mechanics like that. That has to be there. You can't have, you know, those throws, which, again, maybe they should have been interference when he underthrew him and the receiver couldn't get back to him. But, um, you know left a lot of meat on the bone with those throws not uh, connecting over the top, right, where, you, where guys had people beat by two steps. Um, it, it, does, it does feel like on some of his deep balls, too, where he, when he does have his feet set, he's still going with some of the stuff that we saw last year with that slow windup where he's the, the, the throw is starting at his hip and going all the way through his windup, right? It, it just needs to be quicker. Um, we, we talked about the back foot throws. But, yeah, you, gotta, you have to be able to get the ball there. You know you have the arm strength. Set your feet and get it there, right? Get it. 60 yards, you know you can do it. Um, it's just, it's frustrating. And I know Sark is frustrated as well. But the good part of that, that I don't want to leave out, because when you talk about the good, we talked about the defense. Xavier Worthy, the good, or you could put it in the great, right, was the best player on the field for the offense. And that's what we expected him to be. 90 catches um, on 90 yards, excuse me, on seven catches out of 10 targets. 45 uh, of his yards came after the catch. That's Xavier Worthy making plays. He got robbed of 100, right? It should have been um, eight catches on 10 targets. He got robbed uh, on a 14-yard completion that was just a ref, you know, non-sensory. There's no way after review that they called that not a catch. Not important. They threw a touchdown the next play. Um but the two that were misses were deep balls where he beat his guy. So he did everything right. He blocked hard. He ran hard after the catch. He did the thing we wanted, which was stayed <laughs> safe in the in the special teams game and didn't get extra hits that he didn't need to take. I thought Xavier Worthy played as good of game as you as you could have hoped for when he's supposed to be stepping up as a leader, and he looks like it. I mean, I think that's fair, and I think we can kind of shift and talk and kind of keep it the ugly bad because I think part of the issue sure. was – was not just yours, but I think Sark and Xavier Worthy both commented on it. The offensive line struggled as well, especially along the interior. You know, um, Christian Jones and, and Kelvin Banks were two of the better rate, rated tackles. I think they both were above 80 in pro football focus. Um, but the interior struggled. I feel like I have to eat a bunch of crow because I was I was convinced that DJ Campbell had fixed his eyes eye issues in pass pro. <laughs> he has not. Um, and he also struggled in some of the run fits in, in some of his run assignments as well. There was a spot where um, he was slow on a pole and it jammed up uh, Jonathan Brooks, who if he's if DJ Campbell is a step and a half or even a step faster, he's able to spring Brooks for a big run. And so like that to me is kind of glaring, especially as you know, Alabama's offense has some questions that defense is scandal proof. I think in a lot of ways, you know, they've got all of the talent there. So um, I think Alabama is going to be watching that, um, that rice tape, especially what they were able to do. Simple twist stunts, simple stuff, confusing the Texas front. Alabama is going to be able to execute on that. And it's going to be, for lack of a better term, it's going to be hell for the Texas offense. Yeah, I mean, Alabama's going to be bigger at every position than Rice Faster was. Faster at um, every position? Absolutely. And I mean, yeah, like you said, if they just simply run what Rice did and Texas doesn't make adjustments, they will destroy yours. Because there's no, and, and I've seen a lot of this chatter, and let me just clear this up. There's no vanilla game plan where Sark didn't show the stuff that involves a rope-a-dope where you pretend you can't block and you just let your quarterback take shots, right? Quinn Ewers should be, uh, should be, have a beautiful jersey with no blemishes, no grass stains, nothing on it against Rice, right? He should not take a hit the entire game. He should be Tom Brady. He shouldn't even break a sweat. Um, you don't want free shots at your quarterback the week before Alabama, right? When it's your your warm-up game. That's just not okay. Um, 
there was a lot of things that, you know, it, it's if you're going to call yourselves physical and you're going to dominate and all that, you have to show it. I never saw the offensive line on, on running plays, on passing plays, be the aggressor, go out and just, you know, just absolutely manhandle a line that they're more talented than bigger than right that physicality that that um just wasn't there christian jones got a got a good grade and got a good shout out um calvin banks w- was was you know was good um but outside of that they're just that that next level that who's a killer right who's going to play with the right pad level who's going to finish blocks who's going to do those things that you can probably get away with against rice and, and again not even the stuff Gerald's talking about, but that you can get away with, that stuff not going to fly. But certainly the giving free shots, the just your eyes, you know, missing the the one second delayed twist blitz, like and giving up free shots, you know, sure they had three down and blitzed five, you know, from from deep dropping one, like a little bit of, little bit of stunts, like you have to be ready for that. I'm, I'm putting a little bit on the coaching, but a lot of it on the execution. And just, if, if you know, if that isn't cleaned up in one week, like if that isn't what they're focused on and that adjustment isn't made, um, Texas cannot win. They simply cannot win against Alabama. I need Kyle Flood's doctor to keep an eye on his blood pressure this week is all I'm going to say. Because that guy's going to do some yelling and some screaming and some red facing. Because any rightfully so, I think that unit uh, has a lot to be desired. And I think we'll probably see more of Hudson and Nito this week if DJ Campbell doesn't clean that up. I think uh, you put that guy on a short hook and you know, say you got to play to win. Or you got you to gotta win to keep playing. Wide receiver blocking. Not great. A.D. Mitchell was probably not um, giving some of the effort that maybe we would like to see from him. Um, Jay Witt was Jay Witt. X Worthy was mixing it up, too. And I think Jonte Cook, sure. um, for a young buck, most young wide receivers don't love to block. Um, so maybe we're singling out a guy, and it is what it is. But, um, you know, there's an opportunity for uh, specific wide receivers, potentially, to uh, live up to the billing when it comes to wide res- to blocking. And I think um, – you know, there, there. You could say a lot of things about Texas's former uh, wide receivers coach, but um, how you play without the ball in the hands really does show you how much you love your teammate. And I think the wide receivers really need to uh, regain that mindset. Yeah, and if, if you're you know the current coach and you're a former former coach of NFL wide receiver group, you just tell Adonai Mitchell, hey, you transferred to Texas for a reason. You transferred to be a part of this offense. That that is being a part of this offense. You need that part of your game on tape. That blocking, if you want to get where you want to go, right? Like just, he's been there. Tell him like this, this needs to be coached into him hard. Like I would, I would make him watch that tape on, on loop, um, on repeat, like a, uh, um, I was going to think of a more serious movie, but a Zoolander brainwashing film, Um, you you know, uh, the Manchurian candidate. Yes, that's good. And and, I mean, the the Sinatra version uh, would be great, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, there was one where he let it. And again, we're talking about Adonai Mitchell here to, to not, um, you know, gloss over it too much. Let a nickel run right across his face untouched on the fourth and one that uh, we, we couldn't convert, which was, you know, we have to be able to convert that. But also it takes everyone buying in. Allowed Whittington to be blown up on his little screen action where he was the primary blocker. I think you'll probably see a lot where Whittington is the primary blocker because you know what he can do. But Worthy, again, like you said, put his effort in. So um, that's that's it. And then the other thing, Gerald, and I don't want to spend more than 30 seconds on this in the ugly was, was this an officiating preview for the big 12 there? The first offensive, the first pass interference in the game was offensive pass interference. I'm not saying we should have bailed Quinn out, but there was a lot of times when they could have bailed Quinn out when he underthrew deep balls and receivers tried to make plays. They tried to go help their quarterback. We would have been praising if they had the chance to make those plays, but when, you know, multiple times and 
this happens as a defensive back. You're watching the receiver. Receiver's watching the ball. He comes back to get it. You end up basically tackling the receiver. That's a penalty. That's, that's the definition of it. That's normally it a, that's as, normally a free 30 yards. <laughs> and it sucks for a defender, right? Because it's really hard to defend it. But you know what the best thing for a defender is? And if I'm Alabama's de- or Alabama um, defensive back coach, but also Oklahoma's, I'm saying, cool. They're not going to call that against Texas. Tackle them every play. Um, you know, Go back to the way we'll OU see. used to run defense. Absolutely. So that's that's a bit disheartening. That's the ugly for me is I hope uh, we do not get into that situation. The the worthy non-catch that was a catch and then the, the no offensive pass interference. It felt like they specifically said, let's try out and see how much we can get away with, specifically uh, effing with the Texas wide receivers. And uh, I hope that that uh, Big 12 ref, uh, you know, sh- chicanery doesn't permeate any further. I mean, outside of special teams, right? The special teams, solid. There's not a ton to talk about. I think Auburn looked good, continued to look good, continued to be flawless on uh, extra points. Sanborn uh, was fine. You know, he looks like everything we needed him to be for Texas. Yeah. You know, um, we, I, we're we going to go and say this. Let's go and say this. You and I, the man who's actually named Quintravius, Trey Weisner, made a big special teams play. We've been calling it. We said mm-hmm. it. Quintavious made a big play. <laughs> and that's it's funny that we've been calling like Quinn Quintavious and things like that because there's literally yeah. Quintravius on the team. Uh, I thought I thought he was something Wisner the third, but nope, it's just Quintravius. Uh but yeah, so special teams was solid. I don't think there's anything really to write home about for them, but like solid outing overall, good, not great. Texas has some things to clean up before they head to Tuscaloosa. Yeah, without a doubt. Don't hold anything against Bert Auburn, the fact that they just let him try. Um and he had it was enough close. leg for a 56 yarder, right? Like we said, he's never hit longer than 49. So we don't know if he can make more than 50. We saw it. He's got the leg for it. It was good. Um, he hit 49 yarders, right? He hit long forties, um, which is all you can expect from a college kicker in the first half. Like you, you don't make those, you put a little more pressure on that team that was struggling. Like at least he got those nine points. There was a point when Gerald, uh, tweeted out that, you know, uh, Bert Auburn had scored more than our offense, which was a little frustrating for what we expected a high powered performance out of the gate, but good shout on Auburn. I think, uh, Bert Auburn, that is, uh, Ryan Sairborn looks like a very good college punter. Will he be an NFL punter? I don't know. Um, but he looks where Trejo was a guy who you didn't know what you were going to get. And he went out there and did his best. This looks like a dude who's done it. You know what you're going to get. You can depend on him when you need it in a pinch. He's going to He's going to pin him. He's going to put a little enough hang time on. He's going to give the athletes a chance to go down and cover it. I like it. I feel comfortable. Um, kickoffs were good. I think I feel comfortable with the special teams units. That's a great start. Um, and the other thing, injuries, like I know Baxter went out, but they said, you know, already said he's back in practice. Um, we left the game without any major injuries, which, again, for a week one is, is fantastic. Heading into Alabama, fantastic. So, yeah, Texas, healthy heading into Alabama has a lot to work on. But I think there's, I mean, Texas is going to work and they're already back at work. And I think they're saying all the right things. So we'll find out and we'll have our full Alabama preview for you on Thursday. So that brings us to the part of the show where we whip around the rest of campus and we down the 40. And we're going to start uh, at Gregory Gymnasium in a very unfamiliar position. 
Number seven, Texas, was swept by number two, Stanford, uh, for its first regular season home loss uh, since that weird one against Rice during the COVID season. That was like two parts. Um, The first time being swept since uh, December of 2018, which was actually by BYU in the NCAA regional. So um, not the start that you want to see from Texas volleyball. Still good, still have a lot of season left to play. But um, when they measured up against one of the two best teams in the country, uh, did not go well for them. Yeah, um, back-to-back top five games. This one at home, you would think would be played, um, would be played even better, right? But they they won one and lost one. You, you didn't expect the sweep. That that's that's the part. Um, there was someone I saw tweeted um, and basically said, you know, I've never seen the Horns make this many mental errors. And I saw some folks um, share that, thinking it was talking about football. Um, it was about volleyball. The, the volleyball team um, was making, uh, and that even made its way to the, the Slack chat, but that was about volleyball, was making mental errors. Um, just, just not good. I mean, just you hope that if this was their first loss of the season, you would say, okay, you know, off night. Little something to be concerned with here. They're number seven right now. They stayed number seven in this poll because they split. Um, but this is a team that may not look like a top four team until we get to the end of the year when they clean some of these things up. You lost your two best players. We know that. How do you replace that? How do you respond to adversity? They did it once well. Will they do it twice? How do they come out um, in the next few matches and, and show, hey, we're still Texas. Hey, we we you know we may not have an all-American libero um we may not have an all-American outside hitter who, you know, are both playing on the Olympic teams that that are just cut and, and pasted in the next one up. That's hard to do, um, but there's still a ton of talent and, and a ton of all-Americans on this team, and they're going to serve better. They're going to continue to play tough at the line. Can they can they finish some of those blocks? Um, and again, can they just cut down on the mental errors? Yeah, I mean, that's the tough part with rally scoring, right? Every mental error is generally a point for the other team. And so that's why, you know, those last, especially that last set got out of control. Because I think this is a team and, and um, like, they haven't in they haven't really had to face a ton of adversity in and of itself, this core group of girls, you know? And so, um, you know, having the wheels kind of coming off and again, when things start to go sideways on you and rally scoring volleyball, it can turn into quicksand really quick because, you know, one or two mental errors is one or two points. And that's how, you know, Stanford goes on a five, five point run because a couple of mental errors, a couple of bad passes, a couple of bad sets and things get weird for you. So Texas is an opportunity to get back in the win column Florida Gulf Coast on Friday but conference play is rapidly approaching and we need to get some things figured out if they're going to um, if they're going to achieve their goals of ending their time in the Big 12 conference with a trophy uh, on the pitch number 18 soccer uh, extends its clean sheet streak to three with blanks against UT Rio Grande Valley and SMU five nil win over RGV and a six nil win over SMU getting some revenge from the uh, 2021 postseason, so that's a nice feeling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, SMU has is is a good team. This isn't this isn't a a you know oh they dominated another no name SMU as others receiving votes. They're um you know they're historically a very good team. I think Texas is like one six and two against them all time, right? They, they've had Texas's number, um, and in a game where Trinity Byers had to go play her two uh, sisters who were both freshmen at, at SMU. Um, she looked the better and Texas certainly uh, the better in that one, you know, winning, 
winning 6-0. I mean, it, that that was that's a team that only has given up three goals all season, and Texas got six on them. Um, that Texas offense is is really really incredible. Like they, I think I saw the stat they'd only given up a certain amount. Let's call it like 15 shots on goal, and Texas had more than that in the first half. So um, really really strong stuff. I think 17-0 was their goal difference over their last three. Um, they're just setting records all over the place. Uh, Missimo against UTRGV set a tied a career high with four assists, um, and then you know you, you saw uh, Trinity Byers get the the all time hat trick record um, at, at the University of Texas. Uh, and you also then against SMU, you you see Missimo pass Kelly Wilson to become the program's all-time leader in career assists. I mean, those two players are literally rewriting the record books and there's more to come. It's so early in the season. Like, these records are going to be shattered, right? They're already broken. Um, Byers and Missimo are the top two in the NCAA in points. Um, Missimo officially cast Kelly, uh, passed Kelly Wilson uh, as the, you already mentioned that, but the leader in assists. Uh, fourth in conference history, right? It'd be great to take that record with you. Uh, when you leave. For her trouble, she was also named the player of the week. Next up for them. She, she does have one more year if she doesn't get it uh, this year as they have uh, 10 games plus to go um she certainly could, could come back and do it next year well they're not going to be in the big 12 next year so it'll be a different conference record i'm gonna <laughs> that's fine i appreciate you wanting her to take that record but you got to get it done this year got to get it done this year steven f austin on thursday and then another uh a ranked matchup against gonzaga on sunday the last two non-conference games before they open up conference play on september 14th cross country comes out and sweeps the Southwestern Concordia opener. Perfect score, 15 points from the men. The 13th ranked team, uh, led by Stanford transfer Devin Hart, winning the race. This team rapidly improved thanks to some transfers in. Yeah, I mean, and, and, and also some, some good freshmen coming in as well on the, on the women's side. Freshman uh, Ashlyn Cal- uh, Cal- Cal- Callahan, I believe is what we're saying there. Um Won the first race of her career, but yeah, this is this is uh, this is perfect when you get first, second, third, and the in the men's side, right? When with Stanford transfer Devin Hart winning it, juniors Isaac Alonzo and Roger Rivera, as well as senior half two night, all crossed for a second, third, and fourth place tie. Um, so they not only swept the first three, but the first four on the men's side, all three on the women's side. It's uh, we had. Uh, our, our friend director at Directors Cup date on here to to talk about where Texas can can make some some ground in the Directors Cup standings and cross country was was singled out as an area where we can improve and uh, we know BYU is really really good at that so maybe that that uh, competition will drive the Longhorns to a to a top ten type performance on at least the men's side if not the women getting in there so we shall see we'll be watching this closely this year. I mean, yeah, we we talk about it every off season. I guess the last three off seasons. Be nice to get some uh, some directors cut points from cross country. They're going to try to do it for Texas this year. Big uh, transfer in transfers in coaching changes. I think it's going to work out well. Up next for them, traveling to Stillwater, the Cowboy Jamboree is usually a big test early in the season. So September twenty third, they'll be back in the mud, running it around. But we'll see what they turn. Out. But now it's a part of the show where we honor one of the best traditions at all of college athletics, Big Bertha, and we bang the drum brought to you by Joe Ruiz. So, Kyle, what are you banging the drum on this week? Gerald, if I told you uh, the man who Steve Sarkeesian most wanted to be in the world um, or be mentioned alongside 
is the current Metro Director of Southwest Florida Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Would that surprise you at all? Not in the slightest bit. Of course, of course. Do you have any reason why that wouldn't surprise you? No, it just seems to make sense. It check it, just The vibes <laughs> of Sark really uh, make sense to me. Obviously, that's fair. That's fair. Sark, uh, a man of principles for sure. But um, Naples, Florida's own Charlie Weatherby is the last – you know where I'm going here now – is oh, yeah. the last head coach – for a non-SEC team to travel to Tuscaloosa and win there. He was then the coach at the University of Louisiana Monroe. If you're not up on your Charlie Weatherby facts, um, he hasn't coached in a few years, I think. Uh, Since 2009. Yeah, 09 on that one. Um, and, and I mean, he's coached some, some big programs. I think he was the Navy head coach as well before that. Um, but yeah, he is he is currently the regional, uh, or excuse me, the, the metro director. He's moved up from the regional director of Southwest Florida to be the metro director of Southwest Florida Fellowship of Christian Athletes. So um, throw up a Hail Mary for Charlie Weatherby and for Steve Sarkeesian. Sorry, that was my favorite fact of the week. Because like I said, I wonder what Charlie Weatherby is up to. Is he an analyst on some team? I haven't heard from him in decades since he uh, he did that and, and unleashed Nick Saban's inner demon, um, which makes sense. There's a, a fire and ice thing at play here. Uh, but yes, that is, in case you were all wondering, there is your weekly, not weekly, your um, century by annum update on the whereabouts of Charlie Weatherby. I appreciate that. I, I mean... I had not thought about Charlie Weatherby since, you know, probably 2009, which is the last time he coached. <laughs> so uh, good work. So I'm banging through this week on weird narratives, right? And we'll talk more about this in the Thursday show when we do our BOL. But um, Colorado and uh, Texas State both pulled off upsets, right? They were both favored to lose. But, uh, Texas State was on the road in Waco and beat Baylor in pretty convincing fashion. Um, and then Colorado, uh, with the new look Deion Sanders uh, situation, uh, talk, knocked off TCU in, in dramatic fashion. That's probably the, one of the best, if not the best game of the weekend. I'm partial to the Wyoming game as well. Uh, but we'll talk more about that on Thursday as well. But there's this narrative that's stirring up because, you know, G.J. Kinney came in um, and quietly did kind of the same thing that Deion Sanders did with his roster of overhauling it a bit through the transfer portal. Right. They were not good last year. And most of the guys that Kinney brought in were kids that he um, had at UIW or kids like, you know, T.J. Finley, the quarterback, who was a, was a third time transfer kid. He was at LSU and all of that. Uh, so he, he decided to, to get some talent in there. And the narrative is, well, is this what the future of college football is going to be? You know, teams just going to the portal to build their roster. And I want to say that if you have any any sort of context of what happened in San Marcos that led to G.J. Kinney get, getting that job, that is objectively the dumbest take possible. Because the reason why G.J. Kinney is the head coach of Texas State is because the previous guy tried to build the entire thing out of the transfer portal, and it was an absolute show. And you can fill in the other S word that comes before it. <laughs> Right. Like it was an absolute tire fire. Um, and that's why G.J. Kinney is there. And yes, he did bring in a bunch of his guys from Incarnate Word. He brought in his old coaching staff. He brought in a new quarterback. But the guys that were there before were running out of eligibility because they were COVID transfers. Right. So they needed to get guys or they would have gone 0-12 this year. But G.J. Kinney has addressed this already in his like welcome to the show presser. He said, I'm going to repair the relationships that the last guy screwed up. He didn't say it in those words, but that's 
basically what he said. And we're going to build the foundation of Texas State football with Texas high school football players, right? And that's how we should be. And you and I have talked about it before. They are going to be the UTSA of that area, of, of like the lower Austin area. He, uh, it, it, you are going to see some battles between Texas State and UTSA trying to mop up the kids in the San Antonio area that don't get the Texas offer, the A&M offer that they're looking for, right? Those guys, like I'm shocked that, that the uh, the kid the quarterback from New Braunfels is going out of state rather than going to Texas State. I thought that was going to be a slam dunk for them, but they're going to go up and down 35. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to go into Waco and recruit them as well, and they're going to use this to build some momentum. So, like, yes. I think the only thing that this has really done is eliminated a bit of the year zero. There is less of a year zero excuse for guys because Dion and GJ came in and said, yeah, we can do this. But I think those are two edge cases and I think things are going to just be fine. Gerald, are, are you saying that the big 12 runs through San Marcos? Cause I think it runs through um, Laramie, Tra- Wyoming. Transitive property. It does run through Laramie, Wyoming. <laughs> That's fair. Okay. I wanted to make sure because I, I didn't know of the teams that um, lost as 28 plus point favorites, which one um, had had seeded their their um, ranking of where the Big 12 runs through. I, I know Dave Aranda is a much more likable coach um, more. In, in Waco. So, uh, so uh, yeah, so I, I don't don't wish any ill on him. Just truly will focus on the part where G.J. Kinney is doing his thing and we will cheer for a Longhorn every week that Texas isn't playing. Texas State. I have long said I'd be a huge Dave Aranda fan if he was coaching anywhere else but Baylor, and we may get to find that out sooner rather than later. But that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet? Oh, you can follow me on social media at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. Follow me on Twitter at GH Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at Longhorn Pod. Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. We'll be back on Thursday with our Alabama preview. We're excited for that big game of the week. College game day is going to be there. It'll be fun. Thank you so much for tuning in again, and we'll see you on Thursday. Until then, hook up. Hook up. This wasn't quite fried rice, but maybe, maybe steamed.